Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello, and welcome to episode number 25 of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. This week, we have live performance coach Tom Jackson, who has transformed the live show for artists such as Taylor Swift, Shawn Mendes, the band Perry, High Valley, Magic, and many more. Author of the book Tom Jackson's Live Music Method and the All Roads Lead to the Stage DVD series, he's uniquely talented and skilled at transforming an artist's live show into a magical experience for the audience, helping artists at every level to create a live show that is engaging and memorable teaching them to exceed their audience's expectations to create fans for life. Tom comes up to Toronto every year for Canadian Music Week to teach a workshop on live performance. And it's usually with a band, and he brings the band up on stage to work with so that everyone can learn. This year, he added a second workshop that focused on singer-songwriters. After our interview, you will hear from a couple artists that attended the workshop so that you can hear what they learned and how they will incorporate it into their own shows. Hello, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Um, So you come to CMW every year, and this year you're doing two workshops. Correct. Yeah, tell me about the different... I was curious because I've seen you do the the band one a lot. Right. So what made you come for a solo well i actually uh many 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 times people ask me what do i do i'm I'm stuck behind a microphone singer songwriter thing right so i started looking into that a little bit more now i I do work with singer songwriters but i've never put on a workshop this year i actually put on a workshop for singer songwriters specifically right um which is cool which here's a plug i have a new product coming out for singer songwriters uh, specifically not because my product the All Roads Lead to the Stage, is kind of a broad stroke. It's for sort of everybody. Right. Where this, I'm, what I'm going to start doing is doing more niche things within the music thing. So the reason I did it is because it's, uh, it's necessary, it's needed. Right. Uh, and, and a lot of people just want to make a living and they can't afford a band and, um, and their guitar never shows up late. Yeah, a lot of solo artists find that they have to hire musicians because yep. it's their project. It's not a band. Correct. And that gets expensive if you're on the road. It's expensive. So. You lack motivation sometimes. Sometimes people don't show up. I mean, yeah. how crazy is that? Yeah. So uh, so they can take control of their own thing, at least in a lot of the gigs. And house concerts are becoming more and more popular. Yeah. So And there's a way to make a living doing your own thing. So that's the first one today. I'm doing a singer-songwriter, teaching a little bit, then doing a singer-songwriter example or two. And then on Saturday, I'm doing the whole band. And that should be fun. 
Uh, it's a band called the Accolades, and they have like nine pieces in the band. Oh, wow. So it'll be... That's a challenge. <laughs> it, it'll be fun. It's painting with a lot of colors. Yeah, it's, the challenge is going to be getting as much done in the short amount of time. Yeah, because yeah. you can only coach for so, so long. So many people, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. I've always wanted to know, like, how on earth did you get into this? Like, were um, you a musician growing up, or uh, what? How? Tell I me was, your story. I was a musician. Um... I guess I still am to some degree. I haven't played in 14 years. I'm a bass player. But the reason I haven't played is because I'm so busy doing this. Right. And this is my creative outlet. Yeah. Um, but I, I'll tell you a long story short. I was touring. We were an indie band. We were playing secondary and thirdary, if there's such a term, markets. Um, and doing pretty well. We were out doing, we actually were doing 500 dates Wow. Uh, on this tour. And um, we were in the middle of nowhere. We had set up and our drummer had, I can't remember if he broke it or just really, really hurt it, but it was in a sling. Mm. And so we had to play the show that night with a one-armed drummer. And he wasn't even a good drummer with two arms. <laughs> um, but I remember standing on stage and the first song, Sweating Bullets, thinking they're going to start throwing things at us because the drummer is the foundation for the group. Yeah. And he was all over the place. No dynamics, no tempo. It was it was terrible. We finished the song and we got a standing ovation. And and I it was an aha moment to me, like, whoa. So what the audience is paying attention to is different than what we musicians are paying attention to. And so I started exploring that whole idea. So now people ask me, Well, what are you? I, I call myself sometimes a marriage counselor. Yeah. The husband or the wife, doesn't matter, is on stage and the spouse is in the audience. And I may love my wife and, um, you know, I, I've, I was teaching at Berkeley College of Music three years ago. And um, at the la I, I don't even know why this happened, but I was doing a three-day event. And on the last day, the guy who brought me in put together a panel and there was like a really pretty darn famous singer, manager, and promoter, and then me. And the audience was asking questions. This was the final rap. And the audience asked the artist or the manager, well, so what should we do? And he goes, well, listen, if you're on stage having fun, your audience is going to have fun. And I'm sitting on the other end of the table, and I made this noise because I was tired. Probably had a little glass of wine beforehand. I went, eh. <laughs> That's not true. Just because you're having fun doesn't mean the audience is going to have fun. I said, just because I love my wife doesn't mean she gets it. So you have to do things to make that emotional connection that makes sense. And that deals with the arrangement of the song, the visual, the verbal, all those things. Otherwise, it's just simply musical masturbation. And, and you, you can have a fun time. And I want you to have fun, by the way. Yeah. But... We want to include the audience. Yeah. Um, so I started looking at the show from the audience's perspective and really looked into that. And now the reason I get to do what I do, I think, is because I've been on stage. I know what the artist is thinking, but I also know what the audience is thinking. And you make this connection. So here's what you're trying to accomplish, uh, you know, as an artist. But here's how you do it without right. changing who you are. I don't change the artist. All of a sudden, they're somebody different. Yeah. It's just give them the tools to make that emotional connection. Right, right. And, like, did you study anything? No. Did you study 
rock stars? Did you study who's doing it well? No, I, you no. know, I think I to did. They did. I did unconsciously or subconsciously. Right. When I was young, I probably went to 500 shows. Yeah. And then that was at a day when you could literally go see a festival for 10 bucks, five bucks. And I went to everything known to man. And, and I didn't realize I was working. Right. But, but after a while, um, I just knew instinctively. In fact, my teaching is, is sort of like this. I just taught at a workshop in Nashville, literally yesterday. And I had a guy come up to me and say, you know what? This stuff makes so much sense. Um, I, there's so much of this that I knew in my heart, but I never could express or pull out of me. You pulled it out. So what I do with my teaching is, one, three things should happen. One, when they're listening, they go, oh, I better stop doing that because that's the wrong thing to do. Two, I knew that. I just, I just never had the courage to, to, to go for it. It, right. it, it. And then the third thing is, I never thought of that. It's a great idea. And that's kind of what my teaching is about. But it, I never studied it. Um, never. How has your career evolved? Like, how did you start getting paid to do this? Good question. My first, <laughs> Still my first, waiting? No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, my, uh, my first gig was three nights, four hours. No, it was four nights, four hours a night. And I got paid $25 a night. So I made a hundred bucks for my first gig, and it was a it was a group that I sort of talked into. They were friends of mine, and they'd just go out and play for free. Uh, what, what you know, like an offering, almost like a, a busking type thing. But it was real concert, um, and they'd co- make a collection. And but the band never got paid. And I said, "Give me four days for and and at the end of this, they had a gig at the end of the week." I said, and, and you will not tell people when they come up to you afterwards that you'll play for free. Um, but no one has ever asked them, how much do you charge to come, come play? Right. So after the gig, they had, they had six people come up and say, and we decided, now this was years ago, we decided that they were going to charge $600 for people to go, I mean, to hire them. They had six people come up after we had worked and asked them, uh, and hired them for six hundred dollars, and and you know, and then they start telling everybody, and it, it's just grown uh, like crazy. So that was my first gig. Um, I go to conventions like this because it's. I just was talking to people over here at registration, and the guy goes, "Oh man, I I love your thing." He, he goes, and he's trying to explain to his friends what he goes. I I, I can't explain what you do <laughs> uh, because you got to see it. Yeah. And, and I mean, and that's the good news. That's the bad news. I'm a marketing nightmare because what uh, this interview, somebody's going to go, oh, I know what he does. And the truth is, yeah, they don't. I, I always tell artists every year to go and then some of them will and then some of them don't. And I'm like the ones that don't. I'm like, you just don't understand. <laughs> like you don't understand. You have to be there. Yeah. It's one that I always say, that's the one. If you do nothing else, you have to go to yours. Well, I appreciate that. Because people think, oh, he's a choreographer. Oh, he's going to box us in. Oh, he's going to make us look goofy. Oh, he's going to teach us to dance. Oh, all these things. And the answer is no, 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 no. Right. What I do is help people create moments. I'll give you an example. Uh, this is the other end of the spectrum from the $25. When I first started working with Taylor Swift, 
um, she had gone out on tour. She was opening for Brad Paisley. And um, she'd gone out on tour the first half of the year before Christmas and did her thing. And then um, a vocal coach that I that works with her had her contact me. And then we worked during Christmas time. She went out on the second half of the tour and her merchandise went up 600%. Wow. And we used exactly the same songs she did before, before the break. Right. But what we did was rearrange them to create moments in the show instead of just played songs and hoping something good happens. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, for me, it's frustrating on two levels. One is the main level is there are artists that are so good listening to this at this event that are so good musically, they can sing, they can play. Um, and you were just talking about the, the class that was before our interview here where the woman who was listening to the stuff goes, well, where are the rock stars? Where yeah. are the people that bring it? And everyone went up there thinking, yeah. that's me. And, and they played and, and, and she's, like, she's like, no, that's not it. That's <laughs> not it. And the truth is, um, I can I can get them there. That's what I do. And it has to do with the show. And let's think about it. The show in this day and age, I always thought the show was really important. Yeah. But now, what That's is what is your song on the radio? Money. What is the thing on Spotify? It's a commercial for people to come out and see you. Yeah. And if you don't deliver, um, the worst thing that could happen would be you're just unmemorable. Yeah. And so the, the key here is... You create moments, and then here's, here's how we did it with Taylor. We created those moments out of the exact same songs. And I, I'd like to be able to explain how I create those moments, but it's, it's a process. Oh, I'm sorry, we're talking to Canadians. It's a process. <laughs> so um, it's a rearrangement of the song. It's, it's now after the song has been rearranged. The writing for a show and the writing for radio are two different things. Um, writing the song, and then there's a psychology to the show. Are you doing a 20-minute set? Are you doing an hour and a half set? Are you doing one song? One song is a commercial. 20 minutes is like a short TV show. An hour and a half show is like a movie. And the writing for those, the script writing for those is all different. But what we do is we record the songs, play the songs the way they are on the record mostly, and hope something good happens. And I'm speaking to people right here, thousands of them, I that that they're good enough they're good enough but they they're they're winging it and and they're frustrated as heck yeah i just talked to a kid right before i came here right before i came here he is he says as soon as he gets off stage now he's been to my workshop studied the book got the dvds i mean he's really applied himself he says as soon as he gets off stage whoever's hired him wants him back immediately right so you have uh, DVDs and books that I guess artists can start with yep. before they get to hiring a coach. Yeah, I, my recommendation is yeah, and you know it's an expensive book, mm. and people whoa, it's expensive because it's ninety nine dollars U.S. That, it's which like is a about a million and a half textbook. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's a uni You don't even think twice about buying drum heads or guitar strings or this new effect for your pedal or or a new dress if you're a female going yeah. out to sing or it's a new outfit. All that stuff you just do. Yeah. But no, ninety nine bucks. <laughs> well, what's insane? Because if you have CDs and you sell them for ten bucks, this is what I tell people. 
if in that book, and it's 432 pages, in that book you learn one thing over the, the course of your life and you sell 10 more CDs, of the course of your life, yeah. you break even on my book. Yeah. Or, or you could do what most people do because we get emails all the time. Oh, my gosh, I do house concerts. I usually sell five or six. Now I'm selling 25, 30. I had one the other, uh, a couple of months ago, 55 at the a house concert. Like I said, Taylor's merch goes up 600%. I have this all the time. And here's one of the also keys. You build your merchandise around your moments. But you got to create the moments first. Right. Because they want to take something home take, with them. Don't you? Yeah. That's what everybody does. They have an experience. They laugh. They cry. They, they get chills. I want that. I want, you want to relive that moment. Yeah. But what we do and the people I'm talking to do is we write songs go out on stage, wing it, and hope something good happens. And every once in a while, here's the downside, actually. Every once in a while, it does. Yeah. The planets align. The crowd loves you. The truth is this, though. And you go out the next night and do the same thing, and it doesn't work. Yeah. And you don't know why it worked the night before. Right. I know why it works. That might sound arrogant, but that it's my job. Yeah. It's the only thing I do well. Yeah. And you have DVDs as well, right? I have, I have DVD series, All Roads Lead to the Stage. I have me working with some artists, and then I've got this new singer-songwriter DVD that's coming out, yeah. And I have a website, onstagesuccess.com. Sign up for the emails that come. Uh, we do workshops. So how has your career flowed? Like, how, from that first job to now? Like, what are some of the jobs that you've had? Like, was there, like, a rise up? Well, getting the, to be more and more successful. The truth is, uh, I went to a, a contemporary Christian music festival 20 uh, some years ago and taught this stuff. Freaked everybody out. All the record companies started hiring me. Right. Um, so I moved from L.A. to Nashville where they were based. And that started the, the process. It, it happened really immediately after they saw what I did. All the labels went, oh, my gosh, we need this. Yeah. Um, so... I do that, but the truth is I do three things. I work with artists on their show, and I have an associate, Amy Walter, who is amazing. She's been with me for 12 years. She helped me with the band Perry. She helped me with a uh, hip-hop artist, Lecrae. She's helped me with uh, a group just the other night we saw in town. Uh, I think they're Canadian, Nikki's Wives, who's, who people are clamoring to sign. Right. Um, so we work with artists. I speak at events. Because I like teaching and you, I have fun doing it and, and people love it and I sell products. But the other thing I do, and if anybody in this listening to this is in this boat, uh, I would love to talk to them. I have a website called Live Music Gives and um, I got approached 26 years ago by uh, charities to help me uh, partner. No, ask me because I'm in front of so many artists or work with so many artists to partner with charities. And so um, I help these charities find artists to support their costs. Food for the Hungry, I'll be talking about today. Child Fund, MAP, which sends medicine overseas, World Vision. All these charities I worked with and helped them with artists, uh, find them artists who, who well, this is a beautiful thing, artists who I'm talking to now, the charities will pay you. They'll, they'll help you. To get in with, front of their audience, I guess. Because they're in front of their audience. Yeah. These yeah. people have spent time, energy, money to get in front. So, so if the artist stands up on stage and, and, and makes what we call a simple appeal, 
um, they they generate revenue. And this is one of the keys. It's it's multiple streams of revenue to have a career. Yeah. Every why do you think uh, Brad? Uh, no, who's the Australian country guy? Keith Urban. Keith Urban. He's got guitars. He sells. My imaginary husband. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. He, he's a neighbor, and and uh, he has guitars for sale. And why do you think this guy's written a book? And why do you think it's multiple streams of revenue? But I bought a damn guitar to to learn it because of Keith Urban. There you go. I don't know how to play it, but you know, there you I, go. I like watching him try to teach me on a video. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but but and this is a, a stream of revenue. I just I just wrote. No, we just got deposited into our account for an indie artist, an indie artist up here. Oh yeah, the Abrams brothers. Okay, I've heard of them. A check for uh, we're going to write them a check for about sixty five hundred dollars for a one week of work. They did five shows and and they got fifty sponsors, um, kids, lives changed, food, clothing, water, education, um, and yet here's five grand coming not from merch sales, not from being hired to play. It's another stream of good. revenue. What? For doing something good. Too. For doing, it's a win-win. Yeah. There's no downside to it. Anyways, that's my life. So I'm always busy. People say, well, when's your downtime? I have virtually no downtime unless I just say. Take a week off. Uh, take a week off. Take a, I'm thinking of taking months off. A year off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But, so what do you do when you have an artist? Like if you work with, successful artists that are touring uh, stadiums. What if they're like, I don't need you. Like, they do wouldn't you get hire that me. No. Oh, no, 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 no. But no. maybe their manager or label hires. Well, you. this has happened two or three times. And they weren't at that level, but they had deals. And the manager, everyone on the planet knows they need help except them. Exactly. Um, yeah. I'll tell you this story. Um, I live in right outside Nashville in a place called Franklin. And there's a Starbucks there that is the second busiest Starbucks in the southeast. And so when you go in, you always have to wait in line. Right. And so there's a line 20 long, and I'm standing in line, and I hear the guy right in front of me telling this, uh, talking to another guy about his publishing. And they're releasing a new record. It's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been writing stuff in my studio. And the guy, and I'm, I'm not trying to eavesdrop, but it's, he's right standing down. right next to me. And he goes, well, so how much did you make for publishing last quarter? He goes, I made between six and 700 bucks. And I'm thinking... How sad is that? Yeah. Well, um, they, they wrapped up their conversation and their manager had called me a, a, about a week before and said, I want you to work with this group. So I turned to him as, as we're now at 15 deep, said, hey, I'm Tom. Your manager's called me uh, to help you work on your show. There was a pause. He took a step back and folded his arm and he goes, what are you talking about? Our show rocks. His wife had even contacted us. <laughs> he had no idea, or if he had an idea, he didn't want to admit it, that yeah. he was not, they didn't have a great show. Yeah. So this is missing. The, oh, yeah, big time. Everyone knew it except them. Yeah. So this is a true story. And so two years later, I go back into that Starbucks, and guess who's serving coffee behind the counter? <laughs> And you had no idea how bad I wanted to say, dude. Remember me? You, no, you rock. <laughs> but, but I see it all the time. There's been two artists that were hired by managers that you could tell they didn't want to do it. I tried, tried poking and prodding, doing my thing. And they're like, no, no, no. And so I just said, listen, I, I actually use the term masturbation. I said, you guys, you guys are getting off. I said, when you want to include a partner, give me a call, your audience. Right. 
but it doesn't hurt me. I'm not, I'm not lacking by the grace of God. I'm not lacking money. Yeah. I can retire right now. So if somebody listening to this says, oh, I can't buy the book. Uh, you know, I'm trying to sell you a book. No, I'm not. I am. But I'm trying to sell you a book for your If you spend 100 bucks on a book, you might actually read it. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. No, that is. You buy a lot of books for 20 bucks. Skin and in the like, game. You, yeah. But, uh, throw it on the shelf and you never actually read it. You need to mark it up. You need to go back to it. That's that's the way you use this book. You yeah. don't read it once like a novel. Anyway, that's that's kind of my career, and I do it all over the world. I do a lot in Canada. I just worked with the Hunter Brothers. Uh, I've worked with the, the well, Sean Mendez, uh, the Tenors. I don't even know who else. I'm really, many, many more. This this sounds terrible, but I've probably worked with three, four hundred artists, and and I can't remember them all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, if I thought about it and went up to look at my calendar, oh yeah, I worked with uh, you know uh, Magic. Do I have to be so rude? I worked with them in L.A. They're Canadian guys. Yeah. On and on and on and on. What's your like top three tips for someone that's just starting out and they have a showcase at CMW? They give them thirty minutes to perform. What's, right. what's a few little things that they Well, the can tip do? is, but this is, the problem is you got to do some homework with this. Yeah. The tip is, if you got 30 minutes, let's, let's break this even a little more. you got 20 minutes. First thing everyone thinks of is how many songs can I cram into 20 minutes? Right. It's a mistake. Because we have been programmed that way, we musicians. Yeah. It's, like, it's, all, it's all, well, particularly me being in Nashville, it's all about the song. Well, the truth is, no, it isn't. It's about the moments created in the song. I would rather you play less songs and create more moments, but that right. takes rehearsal because uh, people will remember the moments. If they laugh, if they cry, if the hairs on their arms raise, they remember that stuff. They don't remember the lyrics to songs, particularly if they don't even know you. Yeah. You're dating your audience. You're not married to your audience. A lot of the bands um, that do just go up and do song after song after song yeah. after song. Half the time we're going, what's your name? Yeah. Well, <laughs> who are that, you? <laughs> who, no, that, they all start sounding the same also, which brings me to my second thing. Your songs don't sound the same. They shouldn't look the same. And they do. And I don't mean acting or being goofy or dancing. I'm, and though for some pop artists, that's, that's a deal. But it, no, your songs don't sound the same. They shouldn't look, this, uh, look the same. Because communication is 15% content. 30% tone or emotion, 55% what the audience sees with their eyes. If they see the same thing over and over and over and over, after a while, if you don't know the artist, it starts sounding the same. Yeah. Start tuning so, out. So, yeah, you start tuning out. That's exactly what happens. Especially so, during Canadian Music Week, you go, I wonder if there's a better band next, next door. door. That's it. <laughs> it's a, or who's on after these guys? Or, or, or. And, and it is so, so, so normal. Uh, but, uh, but the biggest tip is don't let your pride get in the way of actually learning to do this. Yeah. Everything else in this music industry is controllable. And what I mean by that is this. You don't like your chorus in your song, you rewrite it before you record it. You don't like the way you did your vocals in the recording, you redo it. You don't like the tone of your guitar, you redo it. You don't like... Uh, your picture on your website, you Photoshop it or uh, redo it. You don't like your bio, you have somebody write it for you. You don't like on and on and on. All that stuff is controlled before you put it out to the public. But when you walk on stage, it is what it is. Yeah. 
You can't go, oh, hold it, hold it. Wait a minute, I made a mistake there. Uh, let, let me go back in. Or, or you know what, I'm not interesting enough. Let me try being more interesting. To me, that's, to me, that's huge. Understanding that, and here's the irony, 90% of your revenue. And if, if you're an indie artist, 100% of your revenue is going to come from your live show, probably. And, it's, and the irony is, it is the very last thing you spend time, energy, and money on. You spent, oh, we're going in the studio. Oh, we, we got a grant, so let's go in and do, uh, you know, we had 10000 from Factor, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got to do a video. We got to do this. We got all those things we spend time, energy, and money on, and then we walk out on stage and wing it. Now, we've been told, as musicians, we're supposed to be spontaneous, and I get that. But spontaneity and winging it are two different things. Yeah. And everyone, almost everyone, that I've ever seen, are they're winging it. And they're thinking they're being spontaneous. Spontaneity comes out of form. You need a plan. You need, and I don't mean to, that's not boxing you in. Goethe says, working within limits, mastery reveals itself. You know, um, let, let's, just take, let's just take a pop song just for the heck of it, or a country pop song. There, there are limitations. In other words, there's rules. If you want to get played on radio, your song should be three, three and a half minutes long. It should start with a in- short intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, outro. Three and a half minutes. Now, Mr. Artist, who I'm talking to here, y- yeah, you're, you're like, well, y- I can't do that. What? And you don't have to do that. You can write a 12-minute song, but you'll never get played on radio unless it's two in the morning at a college thing and it's your friend spinning the, yeah. the disc on vinyl or something. But, but the truth is there are rules to play, to get on radio. Well, there are rules on stage, but no one understands those. No one yeah. knows them. And, and, and this is now, now you're getting me wound up. Um, <laughs> well, the truth but is no one I, teaches this I just, other than you. <laughs> well, I was, I was just going to say that yeah. I, I just talked to a student. I was just teaching at a, it's called singing success, five day retreat. Brett Manning, friend of mine, awesome guy, great vocal coach. And I had some people come up that were at Berkeley, and they said, I mean, basically, here's the, the gist. We spent 50 grand a year at Berkeley, and we don't know how to perform. Here's a performing arts school, and they don't teach us how to perform. And the truth is, I don't know how this comes across, but I don't know how to say it any other way. The truth is, the reason they don't teach it is because they don't know it. It doesn't get any simpler than that. And I'm not talking about hold the, mic- the microphone in this hand, stand this way. E- everyone who teaches performance majors in the minors. They say they do it, but they, but they don't. They don't know how to create moments. The psychology of a show, looking at it from the audience's perspective, dealing with the artist, stage fright. All control, authority, listening to your audience, Movement on stage, and I'm not talking about dance and choreography. Do you work with choreographers? Like, say you had an artist, and how how does that work? Do you work together um, to create those moments when you're working with the The choreographer might have one vision, and you have another? That's happened. Yeah. That's happened. And and, um, that was a breakdown in communication with the artist and the manager. Because, and to be honest with you, I don't do it a lot anymore. Uh, now on, I think it was a Speak Now tour with Taylor. I cannot remember what tour it was. We had a choreographer come in, 
and they we picked two or three songs that there were parts where there were okay this should be choreographed and that was cool there yeah. was no conflict there but i worked with other artists where the choreographer had actually started before i had which makes some sense if they're doing some dance stuff but as soon as i heard the songs i'm thinking this stuff doesn't need choreography in other words it's like the boy bands i was never a fan never will be i don't think because there's doing this tender song and they're moving their arms and their legs and, and, the, and everyone's screaming because they're good looking guys and the girls are screaming. But the truth is it, it makes no sense because what the audience is paying attention to is the movement instead of the song, yeah. instead of what's going on. You're not really hearing because, what they're singing. Yeah, they don't know. No, it's, yeah. it's like somebody starting to take their clothes off and they're singing. Yeah. Are we watching, are listening to them sing? No, it's background. Yeah. The key here of what I do is the song, you want to keep the integrity of the song. If the song's rocking, you better rock. If it's a a beautiful ballad, better be beautiful. And you can, well, you can, but most of the people I'm talking to cannot rely on the lights to do that. That's the other haunting in the major world, like a Carrie Underwood. You know, you have so much production that it doesn't matter what she does. Just show her legs and let her sing yeah. with some good songs. But it's not it's not great. It's it's great production. And people mistake that as a great show. Yeah, because things blow up and there's really cool lighting and there's lasers and then there's a screen and then we go. There. And the director, real the, the real creative person here is the the production guy. Yeah. 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 You know, and it, it, this is a part of their career that. And listen, I admit it myself. I would prefer to not have to do things <laughs> to get better. Do you know what I'm saying? I would prefer. Yeah. I, I tell people this all the time. If you came up, if I told you, and this is the, and if this was the truth, that I could give you a pill, I could wave a wand, or I could lay hands on yeah. you, or something, and you would instantly be an amazing performer, like Prince or something like that. Yeah. But it would cost you ten grand, fifteen grand. Thousands of people would line up because they wouldn't have to do the work. work. (laughs) They wouldn't have to do the work. It's a lot of work. It is. (laughs) Are you kidding? Prince Prince spent six days just working on microphone stand technique. Wow. Anyone listening to this has not spent six minutes. Yeah. But we watch Prince on a film now, God bless his soul. And we think, oh, he's so natural. It's so spontaneous. Uh, I just read bought Beyonce, and I'm not saying I know that's choreographed and all stuff, but she spent 115 days to get ready for Coachella, yeah. and some of those days were 10, 11, 12 hours. Yeah. The people I'm speaking to, they learn the songs, play them, and then go out there and wing them. Yeah. And, I, know. I, and, I yeah. try to encourage people to watch the Beyonce documentary, even if you're not a fan. Yep. It'll show you how hard. It's the same thing with the Michael Jackson thing years ago. Uh, That this is it. This is it. Yeah, it's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, So I'm kind of a combo between Michael Jackson, not the singer, Michael Jackson uh, and Prince, and 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 his director, who Michael was talking to while they were rehearsing. I'm kind of a combo of that. I came up with the ideas, a lot of the ideas that Michael comes up with. Now, if I've got an artist that is that sharp. I'll back off like that, director. Yeah, you're not telling but, Michael but, what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I, you know, I'll tell Taylor what to do. Yeah. I mean, I did. And it's a collaboration. 
Yeah. Uh, Your producer. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So. That's all I have for you. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to send a bunch of artists to go see you today and on Saturday and report back. I, I said I want detailed notes. Fantastic. Um, OnStageSuccess.com. Or if you're a touring artist doing more than 30 dates in the U.S., I have to say right now, in the U.S., LiveMusicGives.com, there's some tour support there. And it's yeah. legit. We have given over $100 million to artists over 26 years. Wow. Not just the big tours. Yeah. Wrote a check for, uh, I didn't write it, but the, one of the uh, charities I work with just wrote a check for $2.5 million. And like I said, we just wrote a check for over $6,000 to indie artists. Yeah. So those I'll are the two places you can up. find me. Well, thank you. My pleasure. I'm Angela Saney. I am a singer-songwriter, uh, folk pop Americana artist based in Toronto, Ontario. Jackson's solo workshop. How did that go? Yeah, that was great. So I've seen Tom a f many times, actually a few times. We have also met on Via Rail uh, when I was performing on board one time on the train. And so I've met him a couple times, seen him uh, several times at Canadian Music Week, but he I've never seen him do a uh, a presentation based on a solo performance on stage. So I was really excited to check that out. And uh, the person on stage he worked with, you know, was really receptive. I got a really good, um, some great takeaways on things I can do to improve my live solo show. So it was really, it was kind of things that I would, you know, expect him to say. Things, some things were things I've kind of seen him do in the band setting. But it's always great, you know, just as a refresher, even. Uh, when I see Tom, he really, like, fires me up to, to really start working on my show because it's very easy you know when you play a lot you kind of um kind of have a flow of the way that you do things and it's great when someone kind of shakes you up and you're like oh yeah let's try this for once yeah so i got a lot out of it cool what were some of the takeaways well one thing i really liked was where you know he always says don't let the song dictate your show so people are the slave to the song and i've definitely done this myself where you know, you want to play the show live, how you how it's recorded. So the studio recording and being a slave to that means that you miss these really great opportunities where you can slow things down, take your time. And one thing he mentioned was, you know, to stay on the one, for example. So, you know, you, you just hold on that opening chord and just take your time with it. It creates um, a bit of, uh, you know, you, you take control of the situation and and you just let that moment give your audience a, a, some anticipation for what happens next. So that's something I'll definitely try where, you know, you might have, let's say four chord changes over, you know, eight bars, for example, but that doesn't mean that's how you have to play it live. I mean, you can just hold that one chord for a while and take your time with it. Another thing he talked about a lot was, you know, when you're doing an introduction perhaps or parts where you're not singing, to really go to one side of the stage and, you know, really get close to the audience or just really step away from the microphone. And that's something that I do a lot in my show, but um, there were some places he suggested that I hadn't thought of where you could really interrupt the song on purpose and, you know, kind of take a break from the singing. And I think it is good for the audience. It gives them a little break and it shows you can really command the stage that way. Next up is... Tamara Madeline on what she took away from the singer-songwriter workshop. And it was specific to singer-songwriter workshops and trying to differentiate to the live sound of 
um, a solo artist and solo act versus the full band? Well, I mean, one of the things that really struck me was that he talked about your live show being um, just like a house that you want to build it with a solid foundation. And that comes with having a plan. And that once you have that plan, you have to really work and hone in on it being a consistent performance every time that you deliver it. But that that doesn't mean you can't be spontaneous and create moments with your audience to engage with them. But those moments of spontaneity only come when you feel confident and secure that you can deliver your performance consistently. So to be prepared, essentially. Um, There's a lot of like particular tricks that I hadn't thought about where he talked about staying on the one, meaning not allowing the chord progression to get away and lead the song, but rather you being in the song, rather you being uh, in control of how you deliver that song and maybe lingering a little longer on that one, that chord progression and creating really long segments of space which draw your audience into you and they're anticipating for what's coming next because it's not just going to be the obvious lyric or the obvious verse, but then it gives you the opportunity to tell a little story and introduce your song and then find the right moment to hit that crescendo when you've got them completely engaged as it were, or like under your spell really is what we was trying to create is the magical moments with your audience. Because if you do that and then the audience gets it, and he likened it to dating someone, right? You're just trying to check each other out, see if you like one another. You'll get a second date. <laughs> or they might buy a piece of merchandise or your album because they want to take that experience home with them and relive it over and over and over again. So I thought that was really, really cool that I'd never thought about before. And I actually used those tips that very evening, sorry, the following evening when I performed at the uh, CMW showcase at Kensington Sound. Um, I, I did that. I, I, I used the song Rearview, which is kind of a melodic song and it's a bit of a bit, uh, downbeat song. And I played over and over, over that chord progression. And I was able to use that space to engage with the audience and plug myself a little bit, introduce the next single. And it really worked. It took the stillness out of the air because I have a tendency to get nervous when the music stops and I have to shuffle on my feet to think of something clever and quirky to say but I was prepared and I'd had rehearsed it. And so it came across more naturally. And I think that it more authentically. Yeah. I mean, when he said that the, the three keys to success, especially with creating moments with your audience or to have confidence, to have authority and charisma. And those are not things that you can wing. You can create, you can wing it in the moment. You can wing the moment, but only if you've been prepared to deliver the moment ahead of time. And one of the things that he brought about in his experiences dealing with some of the biggest acts and names in the biz, Sean Mendes, he was saying, and also he's worked with Taylor Swift, is they were at the top of their game, but they still needed something that, that would you know bolster them and um, boost their interaction with their audience so that they weren't delivering the same feeling you know, with the same songs over and over and over again. And when they were, when they were able to capture those moments with their audience, in particular with Taylor Swift, uh, her merchandise went up 600% in sales because she was engaging with their audience. She was creating special moments with them and they were leaving, buying something because they wanted a piece of her. That's, that's all things that I'm going to now incorporate into my strategy going forward and doing things like, um, interacting with my audience creating those moments, but then even potentially, I mean, obviously I'm not at the level of Taylor Swift, but then carrying that on to maybe working my own merch tables so that I can have that one-on-one continuous one-on-one with the people that come out and check out the show. Yeah. Uh, he also talked about, um, 
grooving, grooving with the audience. So that's another thing too about your body posture because I don't feel uh, very, very nervous in front of people because I've been doing this for so many years. So the performance part is really great. But I didn't really realize, and he actually brought in a young artist who was performing in showcasing that evening who graciously became our guinea pig and played his song, his original song, over and over and over again. Well, the, the experts sort of you know, ripped it apart and built it back up again. And um, one of the things that they were focusing on is his body posture because his body posture was either exuding nerves or confidence. And in his particular case, it was making him seem a bit nervous, which then we were all owning as well. So it's not just about speaking to your audience and singing to your audience, um, but it's also about how you position your body posture because that exudes confidence and charisma as well. So I want to be cognizant of that, which now I'm starting to understand all the components that come together to be able to um, you know, put together a good live show and deliver a good live show. I hope that you learned a lot from this episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with your fellow performing artists and consider leaving a rating and review. For a transcript of this episode, visit singdanceactthrive.com slash 025. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers. 